Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. Okay, this is so exciting. I get to finally interview one of my newest friends that I met online. So I, I feel like we've known each other for years, Elaine, and it's only been online. I can't wait to actually meet you in person. So thank you for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. And I feel the same way. We were, we were instant friends. Yes, Lots in common, for sure. Yes, <laughs> for sure. And I tell you, the very first time I listened to your podcast, Elaine, I binge listened because it's so good. And I just, I love your rawness and your frankness. And just, I think you're so perfect for what we need in our country right now, especially for hairdressers. So thank you for what you do and how you pour into hairdressers' lives as well, too. So I cannot wait to introduce Elaine. So let me share with you, Elaine Travis, she's a career colorist, a salon owner, independent educator, author, and life coach. Her passion is paying it forward and sharing her love of hair color, traveling throughout the country, teaching tips and techniques to stylists struggling with formulation and building their businesses. Every stylist that has trained with Elaine fresh out of beauty school has earned $50,000 behind the chair within the first year using her methods. In 2012, she started her education company, Expert Color Solutions, after seeing a need for more simplified color education. She has evolved her education offerings to include her book, A Colorful Journey, which is her book, available on Amazon, online courses, and one-on-one, -on -one, in-person, and online coaching. Uh, you can join her on Facebook every Wednesday for coffee and colorful conversation on her Expert Color Solutions page, or ask a question anytime on Ask the Color Expert, where she is like the dear Abby for colorists. She also shares her techniques on her YouTube channel. And I know at the end of this, we'll give uh, the how to find Elaine and how to follow her and how to hire her and all of that great stuff. And it, it's funny because I have a license, Elaine, but I don't do hair. I mean, I literally suck. I have screwed up so much hair. It's too bad I didn't know you years ago because you got to help me through that process. <laughs> I'll never forget the day that I, I was coloring a friend of mine hair. I don't know why she trusted me, probably because I was the owner, you know, of the salon in the school. And so she wanted to be blonde. And so I tried to make her blonde. Well, by the time it was midnight, midnight, by the time, and her hair was black when she left. We went from blonde to black. <laughs> Don't ask me oh how that happened. <laughs> and I was like, gosh, where was Elaine when I needed her? And I, I fired myself in 2006 and never looked back. So I'm like, well... I don't think that's my zone of genius. So let's just stick, stick with business, Tina. <laughs> and and that is absolutely your zone of genius. You make me feel like <laughs> I'm standing still. Like you just read my bio and I was like, wow, I sound really busy. And, and when I talk to Tina, I feel like I'm not doing enough. <laughs> I need to do more. So there's always that different level of, you know, what you have going on in your life. I'm so laser focused on hair color. My kids make fun of me all the time. <laughs> you know, do you want to like learn how to play tennis or golf or do something other than just color hair, talk about hair, teach hair, do hair, you know, all that. So it is a hundred percent my passion. And I love that. I still love it after all these years that it never gets boring. It changes all the time. That's my favorite part of it. You know, where did that come from? Like, what's that untold story for you? Why you got into this business? Because I know your why is so big, Elaine, and I love that about you. And that's why you have that stick to itness, and you've been in it for how many years? You've been doing that? 33, 33 years. Yeah, <laughs> as many time. years as I've been married. That's amazing. I know you. I noticed you didn't put that in your bio, but that's okay. <laughs> you're like when you're good, you don't need to share how long you've been into something. Where did that come from? What's your journey? Uh, well, the, the hair color specializing journey came from a mishap similar to yours. It was my sister. She was an at-home sun-in person. She would spray oh, sun-in in her hair and they let it sit. And, oh, I know, they do. Um, so 
So she would get out of the shower and blow dry her hair and she thought she looked fabulous. And it was that typical blorange, awful color and dry and just awful. And I kept saying, you know, let me, let my boss do your hair. I was assisting in a salon while I was in beauty school and the owner was really an amazing colorist and I was just in awe of her work. So I knew she could, you know, do a, a much better job on my sister until she didn't. <laughs> she went, she went in and trusted me and this woman who I had seen do major transformations on blonding turned my sister this rat fur brown with white noodles. She, I think she left her sit too long because it was, you know, her, an employee's sister and she well, probably I did wasn't. That so many times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was awful. And I felt helpless that I couldn't then fix it or find a way to fix it. I went back to school the next day and the owner of my school, all of the teachers at my school, none of them knew what to do. Right. And that was a defining moment in my career. I thought, they're my teachers. They're the owners of my school. If they can't help me fix it, why am I even here? I need to know this information. So that started a, a desire and a quest for learning every possible thing I could about hair color. So I would never have someone with a, you know, a horrible situation on their head who's so upset say to them, I'm sorry, I can't help you. So that's, that's really what inspired it. And then just as I got into it, you know, I often think just the other day, I thought, the techniques that I'm teaching now, if I had known them early in my career, some of the people that I was frustrated with that I couldn't give them the result that I wanted because they had that level five and below hair and wanted more of how my hair is with the bolder blonde in the front. And we used to try to globally lighten it. And it just always led to that orange, blonde color. And we still do. There's still probably 80% of hairstylists are still doing that and we just keep buying another product line, going to another hair show, thinking we're gonna find the magic pill. Mm. And what I found after 33 years is it simply isn't possible and you need to get creative and go about it a totally different way and you can get there. So that's been my biggest, and that was within probably the last three years that I've learned that. So I am bursting with, you know, wanting to share it with anyone who will listen. You know, that's the hardest part is, when you said, I don't say in my bio 33 years, <laughs> not that I do that on purpose. It's that there is a bit of ageism in our industry that the younger people coming out need me and what I have to say the most, but I'm not cool enough for them to listen. I'm not an influencer. I don't have 400 million followers on Instagram. I really don't get a lot of traction on Instagram. I'm on there because I feel like I need to be but I don't get the response that I get on Facebook. And when I look at my analytics, my audience has become colorists that have been doing hair 20, 30, 35 years that are learning color for the first time. Yeah. So it was an accidental fabulous that I'm like, wow, I am more relevant than I thought I was. I thought I was teaching brand new people out of school. I'm teaching people that never really got it. You know, they didn't get the information that they needed. Wow. So Elaine, I'm so proud of you. Uh, so you owned a salon for how many years? And then you, 30 years. your daughter runs your salon. Now. So 30 years. And that was in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Correct. And now your daughter runs it. She's a hairstylist. How cool is she's that? Not, she's actually not a hairstylist. Okay. She, she grew up listening to me eat, breathe and sleep hair color and all <laughs> things hair. So she was managing a yoga studio and I was at the point in my career where the education was pulling me. You had that inner yearn to do more. And I was kind of bored being behind the chair because I had already been successful for a long time. And it was like, how many times can you put on a single process and do a couple highlights? And, you know, it was starting to become too routine and I knew that I had more to share. So I started traveling, doing the hair shows and then that was a lot. I was on the road and flying here, there, and everywhere. And I thought, I have to pick a lane and really focus on one thing right now. So my entire staff were super successful. They're all six-figure earners behind the chair. They've been doing it a long time. Wow. We had a beautiful salon. I had just remodeled. And I kept saying, why am I the only one not happy doing this? Like everyone around me was so happy. And I thought, I can't just close it down. I can't just leave and walk away. I need for them to thrive without me. 
So I started the process of looking for the right buyer. And so many times my gut just would not allow me to pass the keys over to this person. It was not the right fit. And you know, I mean, you're a business coach, culture is everything. So I needed to know that everything was going to be the way that it was set up for these people. Mm-hmm. And I knew my daughter would do that, you know, because she's been living it. So she was managing um, a, a yoga studio. She had like 25 employees under her, the scheduling, all of that. And she kept saying, I'm not a hairdresser. And, you know, these girls worked with you when I was 10 years old. They see me as little Bryn, you know, your daughter. And I'm like, trust me, you know, you know, boundaries, you know, leadership, you've been managing a business. It's the same thing. It's people. You're, yeah. you're working with people. It doesn't matter if it's a yoga studio or a salon, it's systems and culture and all of that. So she, she's doing amazingly well, but you know, most salon owners are the biggest producer in their business. So the fear was when you take away my income and production behind the chair, is she even going to get a paycheck? Um, And a lot of salon owners are not getting a paycheck. They're not even getting commission on what they're doing behind the chair. So she was concerned. And I said, no, you're going to be fine because I speed trained my person who replaced me. She knew nothing about color and she came from another salon. And I said, just trust me and we're going to power train you. We have three months to get this done. And it was the fastest I ever trained anyone. And her work, I mean, she tripled her paycheck within three months of taking over my book and she's thrilled and she fit right into the culture. I mean, it couldn't have gone better if I, you know, set out to create that situation. So I think I'm going to call this be re-energized. And that's what I love about you because you, you sat still and said, I don't want to do this anymore. And, but this is what I'm going to do. Instead of just retiring, like you refired. And so maybe I should call this be refired. You be know? Refired. I love that because my friends, when they see my posts on Facebook and I'm on the beach, they say, oh, how's retirement? I'm like, retirement? Are you kidding me? I just started a whole new business at 51 years old. That's not retirement. That's like getting down and dirty, scrappy, starting over in an online virtual space when I can barely use my iPhone. So the learning curve has been huge, but now there's a lot of disruption in our industry and it has been coming for a long time. This is not just COVID-19. So I think that this situation has given people the time to sit with some, you know, checking in on themselves and saying, am I even, do I even want to go back to quote normal? What is normal and what I may have been living prior to this situation I didn't even know I was miserable because I didn't sit still long enough to listen to my inner knowing. I didn't have time for it to even be quiet enough to know that I was miserable. So I'm just going to go back and hit the ground and do it again. The age is good. The older age is good because I'm fearless. I'm not afraid of anything, you know, like who cares if it doesn't work out, just do something else. Just keep pivoting. I'm extracting so much out of you. you wait till you hear what I'm finding. So we are going to call this Be Refired. I just switched it because uh, don't retire, get refired. And I believe that we all have this more, more in us than we actually know what we're capable of. And I believe people just settle. And they're just like, you know, they just get comfortable. And you and I know because we have homes in Florida. And this is what happens. People retire and they go to Florida and then literally what I see, and you may see this too, is just like they start to become drunks. And I walk into restaurants and I'm seeing all these old people sitting around these bars, like just drunk. I think because they're bored, you know, they they're play bored, golf yeah. and they drink and they're bored. Yeah. And here's me. I'm just like, I'm up at 5 a.m. and I will never retire. I always constantly refire. The minute this thing happened. my family was just like, why can't you spend time with us? And, you know, and I just, you know, Matt, maybe I should have spent a little bit more time with the family, but I'm like, listen, I'm getting ready. I'm, you know, I'm getting ready because I know that I've got to study some more things. I need to, um, you know, get in the game, you know, even more virtually. And so I needed to do some shifts, you know, and I wanted to speak and get in front of more hairstylists and listen to more salon owners and see who I could help. And, and so my family's like, what are you doing? I literally, from the day this happened, I'd be up at five and I'd be on calls or in webinars until 9 30 PM. 
and and I went, my family would only see me here and there because we all were in Florida together at our home in Florida. And they're like, what is wrong with you? And so I, I love this so much about you because I, I put down number one, you gotta always check in on yourself and you have to sit still and be quiet. I love that you're a life coach too because I don't believe that you can just be a coach in business because you know you can't leave your soul at home. And so talk a little bit about that, what you do exactly, Elaine, like life coaching and, and uh, some of your stories that you've had. I love that phrase that you just said, you can't leave your soul at home. You always have those bombs <laughs> that you drop that I'm like, wait, I wanna grab a pen. Um, no, I love that. The, the life coaching, me being coached <clears throat> led to these decisions mm. of, you know, it's not working. You know, I kept saying the universe will give you the signs, you know, that they're always there. And for me, I'm so tenacious and I push so hard that I kept ducking, you know, the brick would come and I would duck <laughs> and another brick would come and I would duck. And then I was like, okay, there's a lot of freaking bricks coming my way and I can't duck anymore. I'm really, really unhappy. And I can't figure out why, what is it that's making me so unhappy? So <clears throat> instead of walking away from my salon, I started making plans to create a whole junior educating salon, Van, Van, um, Van Council. Mm -hmm. He did it and he came to speak at one of the um, workshops that I go to every year. And he said, you know, we have this whole other salon where people train and it's a lower price point. And then when they hit a certain level, they move up to the other salon. I was like, that is genius. I'm going to do that. So I hire an architect. I'm breaking into the upstairs of my building. I have all these plans and I'm talking to my life coach and she records our sessions. And I said, in our conversation, I said, oh my gosh, if I have to tell one more person you know, don't use 7N as a low light. It looks like rat fur brown noodles in the hair. I'm just going to off myself. And I said, so what do you think about me expanding into the upstairs? And she said, when we hang up, I want you to go back to, you know, 15 minutes, 30 seconds in the recording. And your answer is there. I'm like, what do you mean? What, what do you mean it's there? Because we blurt these things out and that's you speaking to yourself, but you don't even hear yourself saying what you said. Like, I didn't even know I said that. And I went back and listened and I was like, oh my gosh, if I do that training facility, I'm going to have to retrain. I'm going to have to be up there all the time now. So instead of being downstairs in the salon and being behind the chair, I'm going to be upstairs saying, don't use 7N as a low light. It's really boring. It looks like wrap for a brown. Use this, this, and this. So I was like, wow. So she helped me uncover so many things that were pushed down that never, I never let bubble up because I never get quiet. And I made all these decisions and all these great moves and my life completely changed. So I said, okay, I have to be a coach. I need to learn how to help other people this way. So for me, this membership that I have, it's called Hair Color Secrets Insider. And people join because they want videos on hair techniques, right? They're like, I want to learn how to do the money piece. I want to learn how to do balayage. I'm going to learn how. So that is in the course that is in the membership. But if you interview my members, the, the, the membership is a year old this month. So if you were to interview one of my founding members, who's like my ride or die, they're, they're so great. They tell everybody how great it is. They'll say, yeah, I did learn hair color, but everything just changed. I, I was able to raise my prices. I have more confidence. I have more boundaries with my, with my clientele, with my family. With, so it's the life coaching piece that they're getting in the membership, but they didn't sign up thinking they were gonna be coached yeah. that way. It's kind of like snuck in because you and I know when you get into the woo, people get scared. Like they're not used to hearing those things. Like that line you just used about, you can't leave your soul at home. Some people be like, I thought we were gonna talk about my numbers and about yeah. upselling and about, but there's so much, your energy, like I learned about heart mapping and your heart energy reaches five feet away from your body. So when you walk into the salon and you're pissed off at your husband and you just had a huge fight and your kids were late for school or somebody's homesick and you had no childcare, you bring all that energy into the space and it's like a domino effect. All of a sudden the whole day clients walk in and there's this energy you can cut with a knife the tension and they don't know how to put their finger on it, but it's that ick factor that's in the room. So when I teach in the coaching piece, in every situation where there is some sort of 
mis miscommunication or some sort of um, angst or battle among, you know, the, the, the backroom bitch fest, you know, this one's biting on this one and this one's talking about that one. In any one of those situations, there's always three roles happening. There's a villain, a victim, and a hero. And nobody realizes that they're being the way that they're being, but it happens when someone steals your knee-jerk role. My knee-jerk role is hero. And people always say they want to be the hero because it sounds great, but none of the roles are good. You shouldn't be a hero. You shouldn't be a villain. And you shouldn't, none of them are good. That's not a healthy way to be. So if I'm in a dynamic of three, this is an example. My mother and my sister and I, when we're together, my mom heroes and so do I. So when my mom and I are with my sister, I suddenly become the villain because my sister always takes victim. My mom always takes hero. So now I'm instant villain. So it stirs things up because that happens that you didn't mean to stir up. It's just your reaction. So when you understand that in a salon situation, I always say when, when the mean girl is stirring the pot and you're sitting there just trying to eat your lunch, which is a rare occasion to begin with, and you just want to be left alone, you know, when she starts buzzing about the so-and-so doing this, you just look up from your lunch, smile at her and say, do you need a hug today? Are you okay? Just kind of shift the behavior. Don't nice bite into it and and start da, 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 because then a third person comes in and then all of a sudden you have a conflict and a disagreement so if it takes one strong person in a culture in a salon to put the fire out of the drama and then all of a sudden everybody starts behaving differently so oh. and and as a leader the biggest thing i learned from the coaching as a boss I thought nothing of saying, hey, Tina, you would be in the middle of a, of a client. I'd say, hey, Tina, I need to see you for like 15 minutes at the end of the night, okay? Can you just check in with me and come up to my office? When you hear that, as the employee, your heart rate increases, you start yeah. sweating, your pulse, you start dumping cortisol into your belly, you're completely hijacked because you think you're getting fired. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that story that we tell ourselves is always way worse than the reality. I could be inviting you to my office to give you a raise, yeah. you know? So you well, instantly go down that rabbit hole of I'm in trouble. Oh my gosh. And now you're cutting your finger, doing your client. You're like messing up their formula. You're not paying attention because in your head, you're worrying about that 15 minute meeting at the end of the day. And I did that all the time. I didn't know I was doing that. Mm. So when I learned that in the coaching, the new way of approaching it is I would say, you know, she'd be in your lunch and I would say, Hey, I have great news for you. And I just need fit, you know, just prefacing it with, you're not in trouble. Wow. Just <laughs> because, you know, words. I have totally, totally different. Oh my and gosh. Yeah. The hijack, when someone gets hijacked, it lasts for like three hours. Like you can't turn it off. And then what happens is they have a break and they go on their phone and they call their significant other and say, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. I have a meeting at the end of the day. And they're repeating it. And then they're getting hijacked again. So now the, the pulse is quickening, the cortisol is dumping. So the more you keep ruminating and talking about something, you keep hijacking yourself all day long. It's crazy. Like once you understand those things, mm -hmm. you become a better hairdresser just because you're in a better mood. You're happy all the time because you understand yeah. emotional intelligence and the dynamic of the client hairdresser relationship. Like I can turn a cranky client. I can turn her in 12 seconds. As soon as she walks in the door and she's and she has that, you can tell she's bringing her shit into yeah. the appointment. I stop what I'm doing. I give her a big hug. Well, now that's going to be hard to do, but I'm a hugger. So give her a big hug. Virtual hugs. Yeah. I <laughs> say hugs. <laughs> take a deep breath, take a deep breath. And she's kind of, huh, you know, cause she just got in there and she's late or whatever. And she'll say, okay. And she'll take a deep breath and I'll say, now give me a hug. I give her a hug. And I say, what's going on? Something's going on and it's nothing to do with me. So just tell me what you have going on. Let's get this out of the way because yeah. I want you to enjoy your time here. And the shift, I mean, literally wow. the shoulders relax, their face softens. And they're like, you know what? I did have a crap day. And I'm like, take a seat. 
I'm going to make your favorite cappuccino. I have a little snack up front I'm going to grab for you. And you're going to take a minute and regroup while I mix your color. And then we're going to talk about something fun. And then I change the subject to something fun, a funny story about my kids, whatever. And then they enjoy the appointment and they thank me for it. So it's just, if we start behaving the way that we normally behave when someone's cranky, we take it personally. And it's not about us. It's never about us. It's what they brought in with yeah. them. Elaine, you know what you found? You literally found your zone of genius and you found it through hiring a great, a great coach. And I think that's the first challenge that most people have. They don't want to invest in their own therapist. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so crazy because I would not be where I am today without the coaches in my life. And it's, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you because you're such a teacher. Your zone of genius is a teacher. And the mere fact that salons need you, they need to hear the extraordinary service that you're giving your guests. And this is so unheard of, you know, in, in today's world, you know? And so, oh my gosh. Okay, so here's what I put today. Um, so be refired. Um, I put check in on yourself, st sit still and be quiet, number one. And then number two, uh, you have to have creative love. You gotta love what you do and who you do it with, who you do it for. And that's basically what you do. I wanna talk about, but where's that untold story for you? Tell, tell a story that maybe no one knows. How did you get to be so fearless? Um, how did I get to be so fearless? I think that every single time you take a leap with no net, you realize it's so much better than you ever thought it would be. I've never had it not be better is basically the easiest way to tell the story. I've never taken a leap. Like I was, I was 22 years old when I opened my salon and I knew nothing about business, nothing about zoning. And my parents had this adorable little um, apartment. Like it was a doctor's office. It was like a little, it almost looked like a little shed. It was nothing, terrible location. You know, when I look back, I think, God, I really had to work hard to get busy because of the location. But I said to my dad, when that person moves out and doesn't want to live there anymore, can I turn that into a salon? And he's like, if you can get the city, which Philadelphia is tough on zoning and all of that. So 22 years old, I'm knocking at all the neighbor's doors saying, do you mind if I open a salon across the street? Can you sign this petition that you're okay with it? So I got scrappy. I've always gotten scrappy. I always say I didn't go to college. I was trained by the school of hard knocks. I figured it out. I was the baby of three kids. So my mom and dad kind of were like, just do your thing and stay alive. Like that was the rule. <laughs> they didn't micromanage me at all. So uh, this, this is a funny story. So my mom was always like, you always figured stuff out. You were always fearless. So I always wanted, I love the beach. So I was 14, loved the beach and I didn't drive. So I could never get to the beach. So I found out that the senior citizens took this bus from a travel agent that I could walk to they all went on a bus to the casino on a certain day of the week. So it would be summer and my parents would be working. My siblings would be working. I was 14 had nothing to do. My girlfriend, Judy, and I would say, let's put our bathing suits on under our outfit, go on this casino bus. You paid $10 to get on the bus to go to the casino. And when you got to the casino, they gave you 20 back. So we made $10 by going and got a free ride and didn't have to worry about anything. <laughs> And we would take the casino money. We would go into the casino bathroom, you know, put our sunscreen on and everything, get ready for the beach, throw our clothes in a, in a bag, go to the beach, spend the entire day on the beach, use our $10 for a free lunch on the beach, and then be back in time to get the casino bus to go home. Mm. So we did this so many times. The one day we walked in and you had to get, now I was driving, now I was 16 and this was our new routine. So they said free parking if you go up to the person who gives you the, the coins, the change. So they said, find a guy in a, in a maroon jacket. So I go up to the guy in the maroon jacket and I said, can you um, stamp my parking thing for me? And he says, oh, you, I've been looking for you. I'm like me, really? I just got here. What, what are you talking about? He's like, your machine hit over there a couple hours ago and it didn't pay off what it was supposed to. I owe you money, follow me. He takes me over to the change booth and hands me a bucket of coins, which I then cash in and it was $500. I was six, 16 years old. So that was like $5,000. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I don't know what just happened, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> this is wow. the universe. 
rewarding me for something. This has never happened to me. So when, when you're fearless and when you take chances and you live a full life, it's like, I'm not a daredevil. I don't jump out of airplanes. You know, I say that I, I would like to at some point, but my husband thinks I'm insane. But when you take chances, the rewards are always so much more than the risk. Always. You know, it's, it's that story, that drunk monkey on your shoulder that tells you how awful it's going to turn out. It never turns out that way. No. The only thing that happens is you never do anything and you die with regret and saying, what a shoulda, coulda. I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a, what a shoulda, coulda. I'm like, try it. If it doesn't work, pivot. Oh, I, I love that you said pivot. I think that's another step here. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I said, be fearless because everything is figure outable. 100%. Take it from you, from this little Pennsylvania girl. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, but take a leap. And I'm doing a mastermind right now on Tuesday nights. It's with the book, uh, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It's so good. It's really, really helped me understand what the zone of genius actually is. And if you are really living into your zone of genius and the people that we're coaching right now, they're just been huge ahas. We even had a one person on there that's never gone live on Facebook. They finally just went live this morning. And I was just so proud of her because she's just been too nervous, you know, yeah. to do it. So, you know what I mean? And so just even something as simple as that, because guess what? We're in a virtual world now. And now's the time. Like you have to go live. <laughs> if exactly. you're listening, just go live. Right. And I put down, because we talked about this earlier and I think this is so important. And this is number four. Be aware of the energy you're bringing into the space. And, and I love that you said that because you can actually shift people as well that are bringing in that, you said the villain, victim, hero, you know, mindset, so to speak, and watching other people's energy because you can shift their energy as well too. So be aware of your energy and be aware of others' energy. Talk a minute about that as well too, Elaine, because I know... A lot of people really struggle with this and I'm actually really good at it, but it's taken a lot of years of getting there. So I kind of try to help people through this process. How do you coach people through that process? As far as shifting other people's energy? Yeah, how do you like really shift your energy? Cause I mean, do you notice that sometimes people just, you can't ever get them out of the energy that like, they're not even aware. And okay. Mm -hmm. So the RBF, like, let's talk about RBF. Like that's not good to have re resting bitch face. <laughs> so the right. people that have RBF, like be aware of that and don't just say, well, that's just me. Like, no, you need to change. Like, stop it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, as far as shifting um, other people's, I tend to use humor always. Yeah. Um, even with coaching, I didn't think that I would be a good life coach because I'm very blunt. And I, I don't have a lot of patience when people sit in their shit for too long. I'm like, okay, we need to move this. Like you need to How do you get people <laughs> Let's move on. Laughter to do it. So humor to get people out of it. Talk, Always talk about a real life example, if you're able to, of what you did, because we have so many future professionals that we're trying to get them to shift, you know, their energy. So walk me through that, how we can be better at it. Okay. So this one client who we always have our pets, you know, our favorite clients that we look forward to seeing. Yes. So she worked at the Baltimore Aquarium. She was like super interesting to talk to. She taught me things about animals I never knew. I always looked forward to our visits and I had opened a second location and she had an appointment at the new location for the first time. So I was looking forward to seeing her and showing her the new space and so on and so on. So the, the existing you know, first location, they call me on the phone and they're like, Sally is on her way. She is pissed. She has steam coming out of her ears. She thought her appointment was here. We told her it's there. She said she would never have set that appointment up because it's not convenient. But literally, Tina, the salons were six minutes in a car from each other, which is a whole other story. That was a mistake. Don't ever do that. <laughs> It was too, too close. Um, so I'm like, really? A six minute ride? She's pissed about that. So I took a deep breath and I knew what I was getting. I knew she was going to come barreling through the door because now she's hijacked because she's late. She had never been to the space before. So it's where do I park? How do I get there? I don't understand. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know the address, all of that. So I'm aware of that, you know, when you're late for something. 
So she comes in and she's, you know, talk about resting bitch face. I can't believe that I had to come here and this is ridiculous. And I said, Sally, Sally, this is my new beautiful salon. You didn't even take a breath to even look at how beautiful this space is. This is your first time here. This is what, do you remember? That's why we made this appointment. I wanted you to see my new salon. I'll see you every other, every single time at the other space. It's fine, but you're here now. I understand there was some confusion, but can you believe this? Can you believe I just did this? You, you heard me talking about the pink color and the color of the, oh my gosh, you're right. And it is beautiful. And, da, 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 and she completely, like I said, the shoulders go down, the mean face gets unwrinkled. She's relaxing. She's looking around and she's shifting because I'm not going to keep ruminating about that. Well, I thought it was at the other salon and I'm just, da, 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 da. I'm like, no, no, it's, it's over. You're here. Be here. Be here now. Wow. And I always, again, with the humor, did I tell you about what happened? When da, 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 da? And I tell a story and the whole room's laughing. My one client used to say, Elaine's an amazing colorist, but I come for the show. She's like, it's like going to dinner with a show. It's like getting your hair done with a show. So I know they say, don't talk about yourself. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about this. Yes, I agree with that. But sometimes you just have to lighten it up. I mean, can yeah. you imagine the Agreed. conversations now going back? It's going to be, that's what I want to ask you We were out of work and blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, with, with all of my podcasts, every single person I interviewed during this time, I said, please act as if act as if this is not happening because this podcast is going to live on for a long time and someone's going to hear it two years from now. And I don't want to talk about this situation. I want it to be a distant memory. Yeah. So it's hard, right? You're in the middle of the podcast and naturally yeah. somebody would say, well, well now I have, and they're like, oh, and they would look at me like, is that okay? And I'm like, it's fine. Just go with it. We'll edit it out because you know, we can just talk about the same thing over and over again and just get into such a funk that you can't get out of it, you know? So yeah. that's the shift. That. What do you um, suggest? Because we have been talking about this with our salon teams of, you know, when, when people are coming in that are angry, that we need to switch that vibe. And so there are some clients that are angry. And so what advice would you give to stylists right now how could you switch the vibe? I love the idea of using laughter, you know, and using humor. And so give some other advice. So, so you know, Sally comes in, uh, she's mad because she has to wear a mask. And so she I'm so glad you just said yeah. mask as the, as the thing, because as soon as you asked me that, the first thing that I thought of mm -hmm. is we are such a creative bunch mm -hmm. that the fun in all of this, not that it's fun, but the fun that can be had is the creativity of masks. Yes. So I saw one person had hers bedazzled with little rhinestones on it. So I think having something funny as yeah. a mask, like if you're a dog person having like where you look like a dog or, you know, like the big lips that people have had, I think yeah. having, if, if you're a funny person, like for me, my clients would expect me to have like something dirty on my mask, like, uh -huh. you know, a naked <laughs> man or something on my mask. So uh -huh. I probably would do something like that where, where my noses would be his, you know, thing. So having humor with that, having humor with all of it, like, did you ever think that we were going to be doing this? And, you know, yeah. let's just go with it and let's enjoy the visit the best that we can. And, and it's not going to be like this always. And just talking about the positive things that you've done during quarantine. Now, my daughter is a salon owner. She has had no income since March. She has a beautiful singing voice and she's in a band. So her band hasn't been able to play. God knows when they're ever going to be able to play again. So she, her friends, some of them have little ones and they're obsessed with Elsa. So she's like, you know what? She sees me. I, I do webinars. I do this. I do that. I'm always reinventing. So she's like, you know what? I can use all of my mom's equipment and do these virtual happy birthdays to little kids as Elsa. So she dresses up as Elsa. She looks just like her. She has the wig and the big eyelashes and the sparkles on her cheeks. And she's doing... She just did a kindergarten graduation where she's like, congratulations, and her little Elsa voice, and she sings to them. So talk about reinventing and, and refiring. She's like, I got to sing like Elsa to pay my bills right now. You got to do what you got to do. So yeah. that's like an example of a story that if I was in the salon, I would say, oh my gosh, look at my daughter singing Elsa and just bringing joy where mm. there's angst and anger. Just spread joy however you can. 
And most of my stories aren't dramatic. They're funny stories that I'm making fun of myself. So I'm not talking about somebody else or putting somebody else down. It's always like me getting into a crazy situation that is funny, you know? Yeah. I love that you said that because you have to learn to laugh at yourself you know, learn to make fun of yourself and it, it makes it much more joyful of a day, you know, instead of being so uptight all the time. Exactly. I love that. So I put down number five, cause we've been talking about this, find your zone of genius. And I love that your daughter found another zone of genius that she had. And I believe we have several zones of geniuses. In fact, on the Tuesday night, the mastermind that we're doing, uh, we're trying to coach one of the people that are in our group of how to find her zone of genius because she, uh, she got laid off in her employment and she's not going to go back. And so now she's trying to figure out what's her next step. And she's really, really frustrated. And, and we're, and I bet there's a million people like this right now that are displaced and trying to figure out what their zone of genius is. And one of the ways that I do it is through the DISC personality assessment. And then we also have a career assessment to help you find like what types of careers. But you know, what's so cool is on this career assessment, Elaine, it's about 150 different things that you could do based on your personality. So that means that could be 150 different zones of genius. <laughs> so, so how, what's that untold story for you? Like how you found those zones of geniuses for you. And as you, as you navigate and move forward, what else is like God putting on your heart that you know that you need to do and to refire yourself as well? Honey, you should ask. I did not sleep well last night because I'm refiring again. So my latest project, I always had the Chicago beauty show on my bucket list. It was like, I had to do it before I die. It was just like so hard to get them to notice me and invite me to teach. And I finally made that goal come true. I was ready to go. My flight was booked, my hotel, all my PowerPoint slides, everything was ready. And then this happens, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, not meant to be, moving on. So I normally do the Orlando show. I was doing the Chicago show. I've done the ISSC Long Beach show, um, IBS New York, IBS Las Vegas. So as I said, jumping on a plane, I used to think that looks so glamorous, right? Traveling and being up on stage. And then I realized the money is really not good. I, I do it out of pure passion and wanting to help people. Right. So what I realized virtually is right now, a student just signed up for my membership from Belgium while I was asleep. So nice. she's in Belgium and she can be my student because I'm connected virtually. So I'm talking to the um, people from the Chicago show reached out and they said, would you consider doing the classes that you were supposed to do? People already paid for their ticket. Would you consider doing them virtually? I was like, I was going to ask you the same thing. That's what I do. Like I'm set up to do that. I could do it right now in five minutes. So they're like, okay, great. We're going to go ahead with that. So I thought, you know what? Mm. I don't think the in-person show is ever going to be what it once was. I don't think people are going to want to be in a ginormous convention center with the logistics of the map of what room is it and I got to get to this class and I have to pick this class versus I always hated that because I have FOMO big time. So I'm like, know. what do you mean I have to pick between and Vivian McKinder? Like that's not fair. I want yeah, thanks for saying that. I yeah. agree. So I yesterday I talked to Philip Wilson and he had called me because so many of my students there's such eager, passionate learners, my crew, that all I had to do was mention that Philip was doing his Wilson method for my members. He let them do his class virtually for $25. They got the special comb and brush set and the class for only $25. Wow. So he called me yesterday and he was like, Elaine, you are so amazing. Like all of your people are so amazing. Like they are really awesome people. So he's like, thank you so much. And you know, how can I thank you? And I said, you know what, how you can thank me? I want to do the biggest and best virtual hair show that ever was that yeah. people can watch at three in the morning, four in the morning in Belgium and UK and Ireland, anywhere in the world at any time. And I want it to be all positive. I don't want to talk about pandemics and COVID and PPP, this and that and all that stuff. I want it to be the old school oh, educators that feel irrelevant right now. Like the people that we used to look up on the stage and you know, in the Paul Mitchell world, like Robert Cromines and you know, all those people that all of a sudden are like, where are my people? 
they yeah. don't even know what to do with themselves. So yeah. Philip and I are going to get in touch with as many as we can and show this new generation that we are older in number, but we are so much more experienced in life. Yeah. So you think we're not cool enough to teach you, but God, if I could just share with you some of the bumps and bruises and keep you from, it's like parenting. You try yeah. to keep your kids from doing stuff, but they have to learn on their own. Same thing with educating. It takes people to year 15 to find me. And just like you said, where were you when I needed you? That's what's happening. So <laughs> yep. I, I do more and I need to get in front of people sooner so yeah. that they don't spend five years making their girlfriend from brown to black instead of brown to blonde. So I put down as number uh, six is that giving is the highest level of living, be a giver. And that's you. Uh, be a contributor, not just a consumer. What's that untold story for you, Elaine? that caused you to always be contributing and not constantly being a consumer because there's so many people out there that I can think of that are just constantly wanting to be, you know, get, you know, that aren't giving. And I'm like, okay, because people will say to me, Tina, how do you stay so motivated? Like, I don't know what to do to stay so motivated. And I'm like, then be motivating, you yeah. know, just be inspired one minute, get on social media and just inspire somebody and something. And all of a sudden you get done. Like I know, when I get done with you, I'm going to be flying high all day just by spending time with you. And so talk about that. What's that untold story for you, how you became such a great contributor to people? I think that um, being that positive, you know, always fearless example, so many of my clients would say, you know, I did this because I saw you do that. And I think that by being an example and not, you know, always saying, look at me, I'm doing this. I often say there's a restaurant owner from my former area and she has the right idea from a marketing perspective of being a giver, but it doesn't come from a place of generosity and genuine caring. Yeah. Um, she'll see an opening like this time that's happening now and she'll say, you know, oh, nurses, nurses are on the front lines. I'm going to spoil nurses. So she'll do this big post where she's like, look at me delivering pasta dishes to the nurses. Look, it's me. This is the name of my restaurant. And I'm like, <laughs> I see right through that. So I, I, I got reached out to from an association that raises money for leukemia and lymphoma society. I don't have a single person in my life who has had leukemia or lymphoma. Somebody reached out and said, you know, we're looking for people. It's a contest, man and woman of the year, whoever raises the most money. I love a good contest. So I was like, you know what? I'm a connector. I have access to some of the wealthiest women in my area that come to my salon and they're not, they don't have a way of sharing it. They don't even know what to do with all of their money. I can do this. I can help this cause. So once again, I thought everybody would rally around me. We would do everything together. It always falls on me. So it was me and me alone. Everyone that I competed with had teams. They rallied family and friends and they did everything together. I was totally on my own. So guy comes in the salon. He owns a watch company. I'm like, dude, you need to give me a free Movado for this thing. He's like, done. That's what being a connector is. It's like you have relationships. So I was doing the hair of the owner of our hockey team, the Flyers organization. His wife was my client. I'm like, I need two signed jerseys and two box seats for a game, done. So I started getting all of these things and then I found ways to create, you know, generate money, doing chances, all of that. So me alone, in a short period of time, I raised $23,000 for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Wow. So I didn't win because these other people had teams and it was fine. They had a big celebration dinner and my son who I don't even know how old he was at the time, but he's like, mom, I'm running a tux to come to your event. I'm so proud of you. So it showed him the example of giving, of giving back, of being positive, blah, blah, blah. So fast forward two years ago, he has a lump in his neck. And I'm in the doctor's office and he says the dreaded word, lymphoma. I lose all feeling in my fingers. I feel like I'm going to pass out. My life is flashing before my eyes. I make the mistake of Googling the, you know, survival rate. And it's like, I think it was, he was, he's 22 now. So he was 19 and it said three years was the max. Wow. So my whole world was like stopping, freezing, spinning. He's sitting on the doctor's table 
And he says to the doctor, so this thing, when you cut it out, am I gonna have a bad scar? I don't think he was getting that it was, you're gonna be dead in three years. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna excuse myself. I go in the bathroom, have a good cry. I can't let him see me fall apart. I come back in, we finish up the visit. We're walking out of the office and he goes, he elbows me, he goes, good thing you raised 23 grand for lymphoma society because we're going to need it. And I was like, holy shit. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. So we go home. The, the doctor says he needs surgery. It's awful. The whole thing, long story short, he gets the surgery. Now I'm at the hospital. The doctor comes over and he's like, we're pretty sure that it's lymphoma. I'm sorry. You know, I know this isn't what you want to hear. I'm like, oh my gosh, I turn around and one of my beauty school friends is a nurse on the floor where he's getting this operation. So I'm like, oh my God, Kathleen, I'm crying. She's hugging me. She's like, girl, get it together. He cannot see you like this. Get it together. Take a deep breath. So I bring her over to him and I said, Jack, this is Kathleen. She's my friend. She's going to take good care of you. I'm like, listen, when you come out of the, and here's the humor, when you come out of the anesthesia, She's going to be there. I said, she has giant boobs. I told her to take a couple buttons and unbutton the top of her shirt to make you feel more comfortable when you come. And he's like, oh, mom, seriously, like I'm going in for like the biggest surgery of my life. So we all laugh. The doctor's looking at me like inappropriate. This lady's uh -huh. crazy, but I, I need that humor. I need that humor. Yeah. So he goes in, he has the surgery. I'm snot, Ben Stiller snot cry the entire time. My, yeah. my world is over as I know it. And I, my first reaction was, I am walking out of that salon and we are doing his bucket list. We are not going to have him hooked up to 8 million tubes and we are traveling. We are jumping out of airplanes. We are doing anything he's ever wanted to do his whole entire life. So comes out of the surgery and the doctor comes up to me and he's like, I think we were wrong. He's like, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I don't think it's that anymore. And I'm like, Oh my God, please be right. So we have to wait like five days. So the doctor calls with the good news and here's where the being brave, I said, doctor, when you said, before you even took him into surgery, you said he has lymphoma. You did not know that. And you took away my 50% of hope. I needed that hope. And you took it away before you even knew. So I said, I'm a hairdresser. I know you're a doctor. I know you have to not have feelings. You have to be blunt. You have to be serious. But I said, in the future, when you're not sure, let that family have that hope and don't yeah. pull that rug out from under them. I said, I work with really strong chemicals. And if I had a woman sit in my chair and I said, you have an 80% chance of going into anaphylactic shock and going, getting rushed to the hospital and stopping breathing because you're allergic to PPD. And when I bleach your hair, it could fall off on the ground and you could Great be like, example. I said, I can't start the conversation with that. And that's what you did to me. So can you soften your approach? And he was like, thank you so much for saying that. You're absolutely right. I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. So we had the happy ending, thank God. But wow, 23,000 for lymphoma for no reason. And you're telling me karma doesn't pay you back? Like, come oh. on. Elaine, this is like such a discover. Why do doctors do that? What is there a reason that they have to give the most? Is there like some kind of legal reason, maybe? <laughs> with uh, he, what he said was that he, yeah, he said that he consults it with experts from everywhere because he was such yeah. a young kid, and he said they were ninety nine percent sure that wow. it was that. So like the odds were not good, and it's oh, I mean, it was I'll a take straight it. Up miracle. Yeah, your son was a straight up miracle then. I think sometimes you just can't even realize, you know, how much of a miracle, but there's a reason for all of that, that he went through. And I'm certain he's learned things through it and you have too. And he, you may not even realize till years later, it's only been three years. Yeah. yeah. So and it's still, it's still, because they never really knew what it was. They were like, we can't really tell you what it is that made it look like that. And then he just had a scare again with his tonsils his tonsils were gigantic and he had infection. Wow. And then when you Google that, it comes back to the lymphoma. So we just revisited again. Yeah. And the doctor was like, we need to do a biopsy, but I'm up all night, the whole bit. And we go back and he's like, nope, wrong again. So I'm just like, thank you, God. Yeah. Um, but I think people don't realize that 
it doesn't happen right away. Like opening a door for an elderly person or paying for somebody's coffee or, you know, those little small acts of kindness. People mm -hmm. want an instant reward. Like in this new cell phone world, it's like, what am I getting from it? You know, if I'm not going to get anything from it, like right now people are talking about um, passing on the charge to the client of the mask they have to wear and the extra gloves and everything. I'm like, I disagree. Like it's the cost of doing business. That's what you signed up for when you opened a salon. It's for better or for worse, just like a marriage. You know what's interesting, Tina? We talked That's earlier good. about- Because right. we've been trying to discover whether we should do that or not. And because we're trying to figure out all of our expenses right now that it's going to cost of, you know, the additional things that we have to purchase. And so we're like, we have to really restructure our business plan here of how we're going to run this business. It's almost like a brand new salon business. And so exactly. I'm glad you that. And it's just been something that's just heavy on my heart, not knowing which way to go. And I told myself, I'm like, listen, I don't have the answer here, <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's no right answer. It's, it's a personal thing. But for me, I think when you charge a premium price, we're, we're a very high-end, you know, high-priced, um, it's well-deserved, but it's, it's higher than our area. I think it's like, it all balances out. I think the more money your client has, the more affluent they are, the more insulted they are by those little extra charges. Yeah, kind of like Spirit Airlines. Yes, <laughs> exactly. When they charge you for the crackers and they charge you for the ice and they charge you for the soda, it's like, just charge me more for my ticket and take care of me. So it's, it's yeah. different thought process that everybody's different, but for yeah, me, I'm like, that's going to come back later. It's not going to be this way forever. It's a temporary bump in the road. And my gosh, yeah. we've been no income since March. What's, what's another mask or pair of gloves at this point? It's like, you're already drowning. Yeah. You might as well just, you know, finish it. But something you said earlier about the, um, being fearless and people being stuck and, and in your mastermind when they're just like, I'm so stuck. Yeah. They did a survey of people and they said, if you were to hit the lottery and have more money than you can you know, know what to do with, would you still stay married? Which is a really interesting question. And 73% yeah. said no. What? How sad is that? That's heartbreaking. So they're living in these loveless routine marriages. And I equated that to the salon industry. How many people have quit and not left the salon? They're going through the motions. They're bringing their negative energy into the salon. They're being, you know, just Debbie Downer all the time because they don't know what to do with themselves, but they could have another entire zone of genius that they didn't let themselves discover because they're busy being miserable. So, so they quit and haven't left yet. They just haven't and left. Yeah. I agree. I think this is going to kind of level out the playing field. Like what you're saying, I think that 40% is coming from that, from people that have quit and haven't left yet that are just going to exit because this is a good excuse. It's good excuse. Yeah. yeah. Good excuse. I love it. So I actually put down for the contributor, not a consumer. I've been living by the Bible verse six, uh, Luke six thirty eight. give and it shall be given to you. And you've been a living, breathing example of that. I feel blessed to get to do what I love. Most people don't have that in their life. So when my kids tease me about not having a hobby, I'm like, how lucky am I that that is my hobby? It's my joy, my hobby, my fun, my everything. Um, there's nothing I would rather be doing than, than helping people on their journey be a lot more successful than they ever thought that they could be by making really small, easy, easy changes. Wow. Okay. I love this. Um, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, and uh, I have your Instagram. Okay. So your website is expertcolorsolutions.com, correct? Yep. yep. And then what's your Instagram handle? Laney Cake, L-A-I-N-E-Y-C-A-K-E. -E. Okay. And are those the two best ways to get a hold of you to get involved with your program and your membership? Okay. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, on my, my Expert Color Solutions page is a really awesome page. Like if, if people listening are tired of drama-filled Facebook groups and they want good yes. hair color advice with no mean girls, yes. Expert Color Solutions Facebook is, I do the coffee chat every Wednesday morning and it's a great, great group. And I, I'm in there every single day giving free content and just helping people. What 
lights me up is getting an email from someone saying I was about to give up. I was going to quit. I'm tired of not making, you know, a decent paycheck. I have to have three jobs and they stuck it out because they got my book or they joined my membership. That's what it's all about for me is actually getting measurable results and not just watching another highlight yeah. video because it, it's, it comes from within what you're meant to do. It's not something that you have to push for. It just happens. It, it gets so much easier when you're yourself, when you're not trying to be somebody else, you're not pushing to be like somebody else. It's easeful. All of a sudden the doors open and opportunities present themselves because you're being your authentic self. Wow. That's so powerful. Elaine, thank you so much. I thank adore you. you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.